Radio in San Francisco. This is Flashpoints. I'm Dennis Bernstein. Today on the show, Flashpoints resident troubadour Francisco Herrera fighting the good fight against ongoing border violence and exploring and defining indigenous roots and rights here in the United States of America. Also an extended pre-Halloween look at the meaning of being a witch, what the real witch hunts were about, and why witches were burned at the stake in this country. You know what I mean, Donald Trump? Uh, you ain't no witch being hunted. All this and more coming up straight ahead on Flashpoints. Stay tuned. And you're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. My name is Dennis Bernstein, and we start off the show with our good brother and friend, Troubadour and... Uh, Activist, human rights activist Francisco Herrera. Francisco, welcome back to Flashpoints. Uh, you've got a lot going on over the weekend. Um, I, I know also that uh, there's going to be a special event on Sunday as well. Uh, what's going on for you? What's the latest at the border? Things only seem to be getting worse. Yes, Dennis. Uh, thank you and greetings to you and all our radio listeners and our good brother at the at the board there. Uh, thank you for making this possible. Thank you. Um, things are constantly getting worse at the border. We've got thousands of Haitian families uh, still working on crossing to the U.S. to meet with their loved ones on this side of the border who are ready to host them uh, as sponsors. Uh, as you know, Haiti has become a exporter of families uh, because of all the gang activity over there. We've got thousands of people, of course, from Central America, Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala, and of course, we've got hundreds of thousands of Mexican families that are fleeing the the U.S.-sponsored drug war in Mexico. Um, and in the in the midst of that, uh, we've got heroic communities like Pueblos Sin Fronteras, Al Otro Lado, uh, the, the work that Camilo Bustillo has been doing, you know, with with uh, his groups, and now. Fortunately, we have them at the National Lawyers Guild here in the Bay Area. So uh, that work continues. It's very, very, uh, it's grueling, it's heartbreaking, and it's uh, also encouraging to see the works that are they're doing the heroic work. But um, the border continues to be a cauldron of suffering, uh, of solidarity. It, the whole mixture is very, very, very moving and uh, it's horrifying at the same time. And, and it, you know, go on, go on, please. No, no, go ahead, then. No, I, I'm just saying, and the the coldness, uh, the turning a blind eye. It seems to be the, the the worse it gets, the more it's ignored, uh, and uh, the more this kind of extraordinary suffering. For instance, just to take how the U.S. government uh, has been treating Haiti after it engineers the failed state of Haiti and kidnaps its duly elected president. It, it, it turns into like the U.S. has become a deportation machine for Haitians. And it's as brutal as one could ever imagine. And almost not a word is being said. Exactly. Uh, you know, in Caminante Cultural Foundation, the, the group that we have here in the Bay Area, and we've been working very close with Pierre Laboisier, our beloved brother. 
uh, you know, we've been taking the testimonies as people have been calling us directly from Louisiana, from the different detention centers. I call them punishment centers. And you've got people who fled Haiti because uh, literal, not not like massive land takeovers, but literal being kicked out at machine gun point of their own land uh, by gang members that are really playing the playing the role of the Toton Makut of the previous uh, decades, right? And uh, it, it really all that's happened is that now now they're called gangs, right? Before it was the repressive right. forces of the, of the U.S.-sponsored government there, and now they're called gangs that are doing the basic same behavior of... Well, they're, they're doing a worse behavior in the sense that they're literally taking families off of their lands, just like gentrification here in, in the inner cities, and then throughout the U.S., but at Machine Gun Point, at Machete Point. And uh, we've got tons and tons of testimonies of people that are now in detention or at the border in Tijuana or in Texas, I mean, not Texas, in Chihuahua, trying to get across. They're saying, I was forced to leave at gunpoint. They were basically came and took our land at gunpoint, and if we go back, we will literally be killed. And so we've been helping families uh, do the process themselves without a lawyer of at least making the first piece, which is applying for political asylum. And it's really, it's heartbreaking the the level of violence that people have been having to live through, uh, not just uh, going through through Latin America, but particularly crossing the Darien jungle, Darien uh, in Panama. Yes. The, yes. the, the horrific stories we're hearing from people who, of those who didn't make it through the through the jungle, and so I really the heroic work of the Haitian people, whether it's resisting in Haiti or whether it's resisting through their travels to come and be with their loved ones in the U.S. It's uh, it's extremely heroic work, and we we're doing all the best we can. In terms of the Caminante Cultural Foundation, working with uh, with Pierre Haiti Action uh, Committee and and uh, trying to get that across, along with, of course, the folks that are coming from other parts of Latin America, and particularly, I just have to name Mexico in the sense of uh, what you're saying that no one's really talking about the war, the war that it, we're living through in Mexico. Not not just the violence, the war. It's you know, as people, of course, the Ukraine and all that stuff involves nuclear arms, so it's alarming. But the level of uh, uh, the level at which the the war in Mexico is being ignored is just uh, appalling and un- unconscionable. That the press knows exactly what's going on and will not report on this in in the appropriate manner. But it's it's families that are. We have the case of one family who's now now in Tijuana trying to get across. They were kidnapped and forced to forced to slave labor for a week, and then when the when the cartels, the U.S. sponsored cartels, of course, as as much as they want to fake it, uh, the U.S. sponsored cartels uh, realized they had captured the wrong people. They took all their identities away. Uh, this happened three months ago. They're still trying to. They took all their identities away. Said, "Oh, sorry, uh, bl- uh, the man was almost a bl- bl- legally blind, uh, elderly, and the son was middle aged." He said, "Sorry, we kidnapped the wrong people, but don't worry, we'll come back for you uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, don't even think about leaving anywhere because you're going to work for us for free for three months, and then we'll let you go." So these folks immediately got to the airport. They couldn't get on a plane because they had no IDs at this point. 
and uh, they found the nearest bus and made themselves to the border. Uh, and I had to flee everything right on the spot. The, this is the everyday reality of Mexico. 16 to 30 people murdered right tonight, tomorrow, the day after war. Mexico is at war, and we are not paying attention to that piece. And so uh, thousands, uh, uh, maybe up to a million people could say, are you know, crossing through uh, the continent trying to get to safety. And so it's a horrendous situation. Amazing. That's the voice of our good friend and brother Francisco Herrera. Troubadour Comandante is the group that he uh, founded with beautiful people. They do incredible work. He is a cultural worker and an angel uh, with a guitar. And uh, the music that you make, that you carry with you, Francisco, makes it possible uh, for us to do the other things that we need to do and gives us the the support and the inspiration. I know you do the practical work, too, and you're out there carrying stuff around, and you are a water carrier, but the music means something. I know you've got... uh, We don't have a ton of time, but I know you also have some plans for Sunday in terms of honoring, recognizing, talking about the indigenous rights, indigenous communities, and rituals. Uh, Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you got going? Yeah, we actually have two events. Uh, one one that we're sponsoring on Halloween night. Well, I, I'll tell you secondly, but uh, and that's a very powerful one with David Kubrin. But uh, on Sunday, we are joining part of the World Poet Movement uh, with an event organized by the World Poet Movement with the hands of uh, Dorothy Payne and, of course, our beloved Agneta Fox, wife of, uh, of our most... Uh, adored brother Jack Hirschman, may he rest in poems. Uh, yes. and, um, and that Sunday we're going we're to be celebrating our indigenous roots with poetry and song. We've got poets Alejandro Murguia, of course, uh, uh, and Dorothy Payne. We've got Agneta, of course, Jorge Argueta, a number of folks uh, that will be in poetry. And music uh, and poetry, and, and my wife Christina Herrera will also share some poetry. And of course, we also have uh, the presence of musicians. Jorge Jorge Molina will be with us. Oh, that's that's my Jorge Molina will be with us. Uh, Scott Bird, Juan Cuba, uh, Francisco Ferrer, and this is at the Bisa Baobab, uh, twenty two forty three Mission Street. 2243 Mission Street at 5 p.m. on Sunday, October 30th. This Sunday, we'll be celebrating our indigenous roots with the World Poet Movement. Uh, and the, I really want to encourage people to get there on Sunday at 5 p.m. in the Mission District, 2243 Mission Street. And uh, and on Monday, Halloween night, Dennis, uh, we will also we'll, we'll also be a, a host supporting our good brother David Kubrin with his the reading of his book from part of his book presenting his book Marxism and Witchcraft at uh that's going to be at the be at the Bound Together bookstore in the Hate district in San Francisco again at 16 third I'm sorry 1369 Hate Street 1369 Hate at yeah, and that's Marxism and witchcraft. Yes. Which Marxism. side do you come down on? 
Oh, what's that? <laughs> which side do you come down on? Marx, well, Marxism, or rich witchcraft? It's, it's actually both sides because it's a wonderful... He does a wonderful job of really highlighting the importance of spirituality and uh, and culture and culture in the work that has many times been denied in in many of our own movements, right? So it's a it's yes. really a, a wonderful, and he's very the, the way that David Tuvern presents his work is just so very human, very down to earth. It's not a it's not a dense. You know, reading of my big, you know, it's it's a wonderful exploration of of really the the human element in our struggle for liberation, and so. But it's a wonderful thing, it's wonderful to be there Halloweeny night. <laughs> well, we've got. A, we I have to say, we've got a no sort of pun unintended, but necess- we've got a a witch in the wings standing by. <laughs> And uh, we're going to be talking about, well, a whole bunch of things. But I guess, you know, Francisco, got a, a few seconds. But, and we're going to be talking about this with our next wonderful guest. Uh, everybody stand by. It's going to be wonderful. But you, just sort of the amount of violence now. Oh, yeah. I'm beginning, I'm beginning to find, you know, and I've seen a lot. I you know, do three torture stories a day. But just for instance, the the coming at Nancy Pelosi's husband with a hammer right. in yeah. the middle of the night, uh, coming after talking about you know, well, we're going to get into what a real witch hunt looks like. But okay. these are violent okay. times, uh, and uh, hopefully, we're going to talk a little bit about. Uh, the violence and the way in which is the way in which witches can make a difference if we just trust them. Francisco, I'll talk to yes. you soon. You're listening to Flashpoints which, on Pacifica which Radio. Side, which side are you on? Which side are you on? I'm on all sides. We have to take a break. Be safe. Enjoy the weekend and the celebration, Francisco. You're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio, the People's Radio Network. We are live today in San Francisco and Los Angeles. Stay with us. Listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. My name is Dennis Bernstein. Halloween is coming. The Day of the Dead, which is something very different, is coming. 
Uh, and we are delighted to welcome to these airwaves somebody who I've had on before. And we're going to be, in the future, we're going to be doing little specials uh, about linguistics and how to res- rescue the language from the patriarchy. Uh, joining us is Sherry Glazer. Uh, she may not be famous yet, but she is notorious, some say legendary, from her longest-running one-woman show, excuse me, one-woman show uh, in off-Broadway history, Family Secrets, to her cult classic, Oh My Goddess, to her radical peace demonstrations of breasts, not bombs. Sherry will blow your mind, make you laugh. Or break your heart. For over 40 years, Sherry has brung her unique, sometimes shocking humor to the world through theater, literature, and radio. Her latest effort to bring down the patriarchy, Mama's first pocket dictionary, taking the dick out of dictionary, a bridge to the feminine. Well, that's part of what brings her, her here today to the Flashpoint show. Sherry Glazer, welcome back to Flashpoints. Uh, good afternoon, Dennis. Good to hear your voice. Well, it's good to hear your voice, too. Uh, and it's good to have you with us. And I guess I, I want more violence. I, I was mentioning to Francisco before we say goodbye, this horrific attack on the husband, the 80-something-year-old husband, of Nancy Pelosi, the guy with a hammer. You know, same mantra of, you know, Nancy, 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 we're going to kill you. They're going after, you know, mostly, it's mostly men. Last I looked, it's mostly men that run this country. Not that it's my favorite thing. Uh, But, you know, like, Nancy Pelosi is the one they're after. Um... Donald Trump talks about always being the butt of a witch hunt. I'm thinking in this context, really, his, him and his folks and all that he stands for, these are the, these are the witch hunters. You want to sort of give us your best response and a little bit of context? Well, you know, it's very common for narcissists to project what they're doing onto themselves, saying it's happening to them, you know, uh, calling for his entire presidency, Trump calls it a witch hunt every time he committed a crime. So he, he turned the tables. It's very, it's, it's classic. And so here we have, you know, the Speaker of the House who who showed us, especially in the latest videos that were released, that she was in charge at the Capitol that day, making sure everyone was okay, reaching out to the, the vice president and making sure everyone was safe. She was like the mother of the government that day. And there is this um, kind of continuous attack or disrespect or witch hunting when it comes to the mother, to the to the feminine who who tends to you know work in work in the system and take care of things and doesn't always claim the the, um, the triumphs or the or, or the gains. 
it's more like the, she's the target of this, this anger is because she's actually effective. And that is a witch hunt. And that's why that's... the women of Europe and the, the midwives, the healers, the queers, all the people who were in the, in the pagan world using the, the, the gifts of Mother Earth to heal and to, to change directions, they were hunted to protect the system, which is, to this day, the patriarchy. So it's up to us to redefine, reframe, as George Lakey used to say, uh, the facts and the truth here. And the truth is definitely endangered at this point. Yeah, um, I'm thinking of this, uh, there was this itinerant... uh artist who fled the Nazis in Italy only to end up with the Nazis in uh, Argentina, you know, and he said, he used to spout these amazing things, and one of the things he said is, truth has very few friends, and those few are suicides, you know, and I just look around me, and, you know, all the people who told the truth are dead, or have been threatened uh, with death. Um, and I, I, I did, I really, in being sort of made a little bit nauseous hearing Trump repeat the idea of a witch hunt and him being the witch, a little hard to imagine. Um, but, but I did want you to give us just a little more history uh, so we can reclaim that word. And when somebody says that, we, we really know what the word means. Well... Which derives from the Wiccan, which is, uh, you know, ancient pagan spirituality, and it really translates to villager, you know, like people who lived in the villages and re- relied on the land and, and what it provided to survive, whether it be food, food and medicine, basically. And so that's power. When you, when you can use the resources that are free then you are free. And so these people, um, the land dwellers and keepers and tenders, were free. And when the political systems, the governments, whether it be the emperors or the kings, the feudal lords, brought money into the equation, then that became God. You know, the divine, it was the, the gold. And the, and the people remained connected to the land, and that was threatening to the power. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, it became, you know, uh, the witch hunts became a way to, to frighten the people and to control them. And, and, of course, it was sponsored by and instigated by the Catholic Church. Again, their quest for power, you know, in terms of being representative of God and the religion that, you know, rules the world. Um, So God and money together, two of the greatest uh, powers that that man made, uh, decided through the acts of violence, which you were talking about with Francisco... Uh, to take charge 
and it's been going on for oh, a little over 5,000 years. So, yeah, we're tired of it. And what, you know, I keep in my heart and in, in my, my, my senses is that there's 8 billion people on this planet. And, like, I would say 7.5 billion of them are good and kind and want to be at home with their families and wake up in the morning and be together and have a meaningful work and come home again at night and sleep in peace. But the ones who get all the attention and have all the firepower and money are are really in charge. And the media kind of blast their their news, you know, the, they're the bullhorn. I'm not talking about KPFA because you are the voice of the people. But I'm talking about the mainstream. So there's very little uh, chance for us to hear each other and to know that the, these are there are things going on behind the scenes and underground where most movements occur that are hopeful and helpful and uh, give us a chance to experience that, that connection to each other. You're listening to... <clears throat> yes, you are listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. My name is Dennis Bernstein. We're speaking with Sherry Glazer. Uh, she is uh, the author, most recently, of Mama's First Pocket Dictionary, Taking the Dick Out of Dictionary, A Bridge to the Feminine. And you consider yourself a witch? I do. Why? What, what makes you a witch? What makes me a witch is my ability to change my direction, to heal, to, uh, to, to serve, to use the gifts, as I was saying, of the earth to make life better. And there's... Um, it's a connection with nature, really, and most of the our audience will relate to their connection to plants and to animals and to weather and to the earth herself. It's like knowing that we're standing on common ground. If you have that relationship to Mother Earth and nature and each other, then you can consider yourself part of that community. Uh, the healers, the midwives, the the doulas, the ones who care for the animals and the children and the and those who are less fortunate. There is that kindness, and and the sad thing is, again, you know, the the twist here is that the witches are perceived as the dangerous ones, as the evil ones. <laughs> That's just. You know, the greatest um, real the, the hoax. You know, again, back to Trump, calling it a hoax and calling it a hoax. And when he is, he is perpetuating the greatest hoax of all time and then turning on, on the witches. Which, you know, there's that word again, witch. Um, which leads to, you know, violence, as we saw with the witch hunts. You know, 
back in uh, the four, 15th century uh, for 400 years, 14th, 15th, 16th century, over 9 million witches were murdered. Um, 9 million. That's a, well, 9 million. Yeah, that, they much more than the, the Holocaust. And yet we don't even give it any kind of recognition or respect that all these innocent healers and midwives were, were killed. And uh, so it's becoming actually more popular to be a witch these days. You can see it, you know, in bookstores and in, uh, in film and on television. The witches are, are, are returning. And during this Halloween, you know, I really found it important to come out of the broom closet especially with the release of Disney's Hocus Pocus 2, starring Bette Midler and Kathy <laughs> Jimmy and Sarah Jessica Parker. Can I fly with Which, you, please? Come oh on, let's go. Oh, my broom's charging. It's got to charge for 100 years, so uh, I'll get back to you. I thought but you were going to say you, mis you misplaced the uh, keys to your broom. <laughs> it's charging. It just takes a while. Um, yes. You know... And so they, they bring these witches in from Disney, and these witches return to Earth for one night in New Salem, and they they are there to eat children. They're going to eat children. So, again, that this would be perpetuated at this time when women are so threatened in so many ways for violence and to losing their sovereignty over their bodies and their choices and it is just so offensive and uh we really don't have like you know the the protection or those standing up and speaking out for the people you know the common folk and so here i am with my big mouth and my new book the chictionary and the reason that I wrote this with my collaborator, Kim Tripsmith, is because in our language, every word that has to do with the feminine, whether it's women or woman or human or menstruation, it has a man right in the middle interrupting the word and dominating the word. <laughs> And yes. we cannot emerge in our power of the feminine without language. Language is culture. Language is power. Words matter. And when every single word in the English language having to do with us is dis dismissive, you hear that? There's miss right in there. We're not, we don't, we're, we're absent. We're invisible. I mean, they call us miss. That means you're not there. <laughs> right? So we, you know, we are yeah. respelling, we are respelling yeah. these words in the dictionary to elevate and to magnify the feminine to empower, and I spell that I-N-P-O-W-E-R, because that makes more senses, empower the feminine to be present. Which is what we need. We need our mama right now. Now, I have to tell you this. Sometimes my computer essentially explodes and knocks me off the air. 
It's usually because there's an intense thing happening one way or another. So I'm just alerting you in case I disappear. It may be that you overpowered our system here. But I, I, but I, but I want, uh, I, I really do uh, appreciate listening to you. And as I listen to you and I listen to your, uh, your joy with taking on the linguistics in a revolutionary way, I really do think about how lucky I was to have a poetry teacher in the name of Muriel Kaiser, who said, among other things, what would happen if one woman told the truth about her life? The world would split open. And it was actually part of a long poem about the German woodcut artist, Kata Kollwitz. Uh, and it was sort of uh, Muriel's response to a whole bunch of men saying, oh, God, you're too dark and depressing. You know, she wrote, she did the woodcuts about the flee people fleeing the wars and the torture and the families. These are imprinted on my brain. The most, some of the most powerful art coming out of, you know, the Brechtian era. You hear about Brecht, but um, uh, anyway, what would happen if one woman told the truth about her life? The world would split open. I was thinking, I was watching Anita Hill and thinking about that line. Yeah. Well, I just want to say that it, it's not just a woman. It's a, the feminine in all of us. If the, if the feminine is expressed, which is an emotional way, like um, I had this dream of women weeping, wailing, and walking and weaving a web of wisdom around Washington and the million men who mean well, like, if there was this way, like if we responded emotionally to what's happening, to what happened to Paul Pelosi today or what happened at the Capitol on January 6th or what happened in Uvalde or what's happening in Ukraine and the weeping, you know, instead of the words, the feelings, if they were unleashed, if there was some kind of way to express the, the truth, like you say, the truth, well, truth is the feelings. More than the words, it's what we're feeling, and this you you try to express it, you know, in 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 your newscast is like, how do you even uh, narrate this this terrible situation, the, the circumstances that we're going through? You try and find words when the feelings are what make you human, you know. My my fantasy of seeing a newscaster, uh, you know, on TV just breaking down and crying, you know, when they're reporting instead of this cold disassociation. If we respond emotionally to what's happening here, then then there's going to be a shift. Everybody of a certain age remembers Walter Cronkite crying in the report of the death of the assassination of JFK. That's a moment nobody ever yeah. forgets. And it was a man crying, a newsman. Yeah. Everyone remembers that. Well, and I, frankly, I feel like crying right now. But I, I yeah. honestly, um, you, you, in the days that they tell me that, in the days, I can't confirm this yet, but in the days of the Greeks, there were crying rooms where people could go and cry together. I'm thinking we, you know, um, 
it would be nice to have crying rooms around America where people could go and cry together and mourn and then come out of it to try and make something new. Uh, I look forward to yeah. that. Yeah, crying rooms, also uh, a place to express your, your rage. That's also what's driving our behavior is this anger, you know, and if we had these safe rooms where you could just bounce off the walls and scream and smack things and smash things instead of each other, you know, these emotions, rage, sorrow, fear, they're running the earth, they're running the world. They motivate all all of these actions, this violence. And so there's no safe place or a very rare place where a person can feel the the intensity that they feel. So they have to act it out. And that is the feminine. You know, that is nature, like volcano, like earthquake, like fire. You know, that's the witch. That's where, where my witch, you know, lives in in nature, my nature, and human nature, and animal nature, to be connected on that level uh, to our natures. And that's where what we all have in common is how what we feel. And so if we can reach into that place, then that's where the the shift is and where the magic is when, okay. after uh, George yeah. Bush stole the second election, uh, my friend Amanda Bellaby, who you may recall, a uh, great reporter, um, we went to the headquarters. Yes. Yeah, we went to the Republican headquarters here in you know the tiny town of Fort Bragg, and we wept in public, and people gathered around us just to to be with us, to, to comfort us. They didn't ask us anything. It just stood, and you, you can't argue with people who are weeping, but you can fight people who are talking. You know, there's, um, I think this is a good time to just tell this story. You mentioned the Women's Pentagon, the Women's Pentagon action. There were several Women's Pentagon action where women surround and men surrounded the Pentagon in an, in an act of peace, and in one of those events, a friend of mine, um, Shayla Blitt, uh, we had been taking care of the great and late peace activist Anne McPay Upshur. And at 94, Anne decided uh, that she needed to go to the Women's Pentagon Action. So about, after about several hours of getting her ready, uh, Shayla left with Anne and Anne's ancient drum. There's a whole story there, but just to cut to the quick. So there they are at the Pentagon building. Anne's 93 years old. I'm worried about if she's going to make it there and back. And this is on this the Women's Pentagon action film. And if this is on film if anybody wants to see it. You've got Anne with her little drum starting to beat it as the women surround the Pentagon. And she's, remember, 94 years old tiny and fragile and she starts to hit that drum and hit that drum and the women you can feel the women you don't even have to see the picture although it's powerful leaning in 
and building as she hit her drum and the and the joy and the howling and you talk about bouncing off walls i mean this was like a the the channeling of extraordinary power right there at the Pentagon. People, if you get a chance to see the Women's Pentagon action, you want to see that. Should I invite callers in? Yes, please. Yeah. So I the number, okay, you want to respond first? Yeah. Let, let me just I, give out the number and then you can, and let me, let, so the number is 1-800-958-9008. One eight hundred nine five eight nine zero zero eight. Here we go. Who knows? All right, you were saying. I'm saying that our, you know, we wonder how to respond here, and from the feminine point of view, to respond with art, like in music and dance and beauty and motion, you know, is a way to. Uh, Respond that's not more destruction, you know. Like I watch the Ukraine. I watch Ukraine. I watch the people and how they are weathering this war against them. You know, they'll show one of the the soldiers with his violin just playing. You know, the most exquisite music in the face of the most ugly terror and. The, the the feeling the being moved into our our hum, human nature is the healing place. I mean, obviously we can't stop this stuff. We can't stop the wars like we used to think we could. Um, but moving through it in a way with grace and with art and 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 beauty and connection and compassion for each other and bearing witness which is what we have to do and that is also a calling of the witch in terms of midwifing the death and the birth and which continues i mean life goes on and so to have a a hand to hold to have uh you know some uh, some human response is uh is essential to survive. Yeah. You know, um, I used to teach uh, in a neighborhood that looked like Hiroshima after the war, one of the poorest communities in the South Bronx. And um, I remember uh, one of my fourth, fifth, and sixth graders, they were considered emotionally disturbed. They were rightfully disturbed kids. I was an emotionally disturbed teacher. We used to start the day with an hour in the corner where we would read to each other and you could bring it. It was like a lost and found. Anything you wanted to bring in, you could bring in. And one day, Jason brought in a stethoscope. And he found it in the back of a hospital, but it was still working. So he took the stethoscope to where doctors put it in his ears and started listening to the beat of his own heart. And then he started snapping his fingers to the beat of his own heart. And everybody in our little quiet corner circle started snapping our fingers to the beat of Jason's heart. And then Jason said, "In, hey, Mr. B, this is where the music begins. 
Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And and do we listen to the children? We better. We should. If we don't, if we don't start uh, listening to our children, if we don't stop treating them like strangers that we're afraid of because of sort of the fragile way we live based on things that are oftentimes very questionable in terms of beliefs. We see what happens, how easy it is for a Trump to turn it all upside down because we're not grounded and paying attention, if you will. How could that happen, right? Yeah, and the children are the most endangered of us all. Like, if you look across the globe, it's the children that I'm concerned about. And they're, I mean, especially right now in the U.S., just sending your children to school is taking a risk with their lives. And I I agree so much with what you're saying. Listening to them, hearing them, not just letting talking letting them talk and then so you can tell them something or 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 correct them it's here really hearing them like what do you need to tell me how can i understand help me understand what you need what you're feeling like really inviting them into the safety of expression of what they feel and what they know because they they're the ones and i see this in the youth who are ah oh, so powerful and rising up and so tolerant and inclusive and evolving. It's very exciting to see, especially you know the tweens and the young adults. What they're just ready. And yeah. I'm so yeah. proud. Well, speaking, I'm tired they're already they're so ready, Sherry. Uh, I have they're to. So I'm sorry ready. to interrupt. They're they're, they're lining up because they want to. Uh, into this conversation. So let's start with uh, Lance in Berkeley, then we'll go to Kim in Sebastopol and Lee in Los Angeles. Uh, Lance, join us on Flashpoints. You are with Sherry Glazer uh, on Pacifica Radio, the Flashpoint Show. Is that me? That's you, Lance. If you're Lance. Okay. I'm Leif, actually. It's Leif. Okay, Leif. Welcome. Yeah, thanks. thanks for taking my call. Um, I, I got into, I mean, started listening about 10 minutes ago or so. Um, and, uh, yeah. so, so <laughs> I don't know if it started out with this, but when Trump says witch hunt, that actually, that just tears me apart. I would like to hear sometimes some people talk about what that actually was in Europe and what they were actually doing. You you just missed it. <laughs> you just yeah, okay, missed so, it. Go back anyway, and listen to the show after the, <laughs> after, anyway, so, and because, but thank you for okay. that call. I really, I really that appreciate it. Kim? Okay. All right. Hey, go on. Please so this continue. Is, so this is Kim Smith, and I am Sherry's partner in, uh, in cultivating okay. uh, the linguistic rebellion, shall we say. Um, and I and I just wanted to mention that you know a big part of the reason that the Chichenary came to be is because we couldn't figure out how to keep challenge the patriarchal paradigm when we're using the words where our words themselves reinforce that constantly. And so I think especially when it comes to our to children and empowering children because that's that's everything right now as speaking as a mom and a witch. Uh, the, the words we use are the seeds of our communication that sprout the ideas, that sprout everything into action. So 
how can we as parents, as uncles, as aunties, help our kids to get beyond the patriarchal paradigm when the words we speak are just reinforcing it all the time? So I just hope people will take, you know, realize we've kind of hit the linguistic ceiling and um, we want to move beyond that. We want to, you know, we need to think out of the box if we're going to find a way to empower our kids beyond you know, picking up the bong or going and drinking drinking their blues away because there will be no planet in 50 years in their minds. And magic, magic is what makes us able to get past it. Magic is in everything we do. It's in everything that nature does. You can find it. You can find that line. Music, everything that is artistic is magic. And that's, the, that's how we can. If, if we don't speak, it's through art. And I want to just mention that Sherry is an amazing theatrician and give her a few moments to talk about Oh My Goddess, because that is a performance piece that she has done for many, many years. Well, well, thank you. I appreciate that, listen. I really do. I really do appreciate that. And uh, uh, I appreciate the call. Uh, We also have Lee on from Los Angeles. And Sherry, feel free to jump in. Yeah. Lee, that's... Hi, um, I really thank you so much for everything you do. Love the station. Been in L.A. for 12 years. Also, been transitioning from female to male for the past 12 years. So my whole identity has been super medicalized um, from the jump. But, like, just after uh, now 36, I just started making music. I also use a lot of psychedelics. I'm coming into my witchhood. And um, I just want to know about how um, how do transgender and transgender youth fit into the work that you're doing in the conversation? Because I, I agree with the words being so important. And now the battleground is transgender children, or one of the battlegrounds. I didn't transition until I was 25 years old. I'm from South Carolina. I was only able to do that because I came to UCLA for a graduate program, and they funded my transition. So um, I still really, you know, identify as female. So I, I want to get in where I fit in. Okay, let, so let's uh, let Sherry respond. Thank yeah. you. So there you are, you know, and, and, and the beauty of, of your, your truth is coming through you and your transition. And what I, one of the things I do love about um, the Wiccan and the Pagan is the inclusion. Sherry? Did we lose everybody? Uh-oh. Okay. All right, listen, we just lost Sherry. Sherry Glazer. <clears throat> uh, we have been talking with her. She is one of the listeners Manson mentioned uh, her classic uh, show, Oh My Goddess, uh, to her radical peace demonstrations. Uh, she, she also, um, she's, uh, we're talking about her most recent book, which is really quite amazing. It's called Mama's First Pocket Dictionary, Taking the Dick Out of Dictionary. It's a bridge. Um, well, it's a bridge to freedom, really, uh, linguistic freedom. And Sherry is really devoted, devoted to sort of taking back the language. And if all goes well, we can take back Sherry. Are you there? Do we have you yet? Oh, sometimes we sometimes re- broadcast remotely, uh, and uh, sometimes the phone. I could I could feel her phone line uh, sort of getting frail. And can you so, hear me? Hello. I can hear you. You Hello? can just 
keep talking, Sherry. We can hear you. Yeah. We got okay, you. Yeah. So what I was saying is the inclusion yes. of of all, you know, and uh, that there's room for all of us. And it's not male or female that I'm talking about. It's the feminine and the masculine. And we need to, quote, unquote, balance that out. But we have to swing toward the feminine in order to do that because we've been overwhelmed and over masculinized or yang you know and it's become so destructive so as a trans person to just really honor both uh, which you already do you honor those elements in yourself and it's funny because the word female is got male in it so you know maybe you know one of our ideas for for changing taking the male out of that is to or at least changing it is to pre-male male and pre-male because we all start out as feminine we all start with double x chromosomes and then one of the x breaks off a little piece and makes a y why i don't know but yeah let's get to the source of of this and and work together and and try to make safe place which is i really want to emphasize here safe place for all and that is to me the the work of the the way and the will of the witch is to make things better and i just want to say the dictionary is is the way one of the ways as kimmy was saying to use language which is culture to make ourselves heard and you can check it out www.pocketdictionary.com to get get a copy of this fabulous revolutionary and by the way there's a lot of joy and humor in this book too and the reason it is because when you change the spelling it rings a bell and you get a resonant feeling in your body which elevates your vibration and if we we need anything right now it's we need to elevate vibrations listen let's see if we we just have a couple of minutes left and let's see if we can get victor into the conversation i think victor's calling from san jose california victor hey yeah this is a wonderful show and i can't wait to, to, to read and read the book um, yeah, I was wondering, um, kind of, what are, what are we going to do about this, this, um, you know, this rising fascism and such? Um, and, uh, you know, if it does take hold, I had a plan. I was trying to tell my, all my friends, if, if anything happens, we all meet at Whole Foods. You know, the, 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 the communication goes out, right? You, we can't communicate. We all meet at Whole Foods and um, just gather and communicate that way and, you know, make things work. Save ourselves. Sherry? Yeah. Thank you, Victor. We are going to have to find ways, you know, because they're going to try and cut off our communication. Like you can see, you know, um, Elon Musk just bought Twitter. That probably is going to, you know, shut down. They can shut us down at all times. So the idea, back to roots, back to source, is your community. Do you know your neighbors? Are you kind to them? Do you know what plants are around you that can help you? Do you know where your garden is? This is the Hopi way, you know. Where is your source? And make sure that you are connected around you in your village. 
And that's the way we're going to get through this. It's not, we can't stop it, like Victor is saying. We're just going to go through, and we're going to bear witness, and we're going to have joy, and we're going to have each other, and we're going to have music, and we're going to smoke pot, and we're going to eat chocolate. Whatever we can do to find our connection to nature and each other, we're going to do until we get to the feminine paradigm. I give it about, I don't know, 100 years. <laughs> But that's why we made this, yeah. this book out as a foundation, as a template, as instruction, how to start, you know, at least to get over that bridge from the patriarchy, which is falling. And I just want to remind everybody, patriarchy is going down it's going to be messy and destructive and a great epic story that we're living through so be live on purpose do what you're called to do you know don't waste time do it now so what what should we do first what's the first thing to do? <laughs> the first thing to do is take care of yourself You know, because really, I'm getting, really I'm like getting a little confused and overwhelmed by where to, which direction to turn first. I do want love. In. I am, I'm happy to, to be happy. In. I'd rather be happy than turn sad. Inside. Well, you got to be all those things. You're going to be sad, Dennis, and you're going to be scared. No, I don't want to be sad. I'm sad all the time. My father used to call me. Why are you it's the okay. sad sack? Because it's a sad world. It is, uh, but it's a it's uh, a beautiful okay. world too. It is Remember absolutely the exquisite. Billion beautiful people that need us to to touch that beauty and to and to celebrate what preciousness we have. Uh, so what to do now is really care for what's precious. Like really understand like the bread on the shelves. Like get. Get your mind to realize how precious what we have right now is, and that's as far as food and each other and, and energy. So, so honor what we have, respect what, bask in the beautiful, and use your energy for, for good. You can make it, here's, uh, well, here's the bottom line. You can make it work. It's got to be in better. five seconds. The bottom line, make, you can make it worse or you can make it better. Let's make it better. That's it. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Sherry Glazer. Thank you. Happy Samhain. Be careful. Stay safe. Talk to you soon. Bye. And that wraps it up for another episode of Flashpoints. Our executive producer is Dennis Bernstein. Senior producers are Miguel Gavilan Molina and Kevin Pina. Technical director is Mike Biggs. Special thanks to producer and engineer Rod Akil. For previous episodes, go to kpfa.org or flashpoints.net. For questions or comments, email dennis at kpfa.org. Thank you for listening.